Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Yes, yes, yes. We've been in a series over this is week seven, which our series usually don't last that long. But I've just been so excited about talking about how you and I can go all in in our walk with Christ. And we've been talking about different choices. Look at somebody say choices. We've been talking about different choices that you and I can make to have the abundant life that Christ talked to us about. So if you got your Bibles or your bulletin in front of you, some of you are got your phones and you're following along on new version or something like that. John 10 verse 10 says these words. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I wonder if you, like me, would be interested in having a full, rich, abundant life. Anybody at all? Yes, four of you are interested in having a full, rich, abundant life. Anybody interested in that kind of life? Yes, very good. So week one, we talked about the fact that God has a plan for our lives. And I hope you understand that he do, and that he do, that he do, that he does, that God has a plan for our life. And that we find his plan through a series of choices that we make in our lives. We talked about the trust choice. We said we can choose to trust Christ because he is trustworthy. Then week three, we talked about the yes choice. That was my wife on Mother's Day talked about how when God says move, you best move. God says go, you best go. God says stay, you best stay. God says give, you best give. And then week four, we talked about the growth choice. And we talked about how real spiritual growth, we talked about it this morning with our ladies, real spiritual growth takes place in the context of community. We're actually going to talk about that again in a few moments. And then week five, we talked about the worship choice, that worship was loving God and loving people. And then last week, we talked about the daily choice because uh, you can't build an intimate relationship with God in one hour a week. Anybody know that to be true? And so I have to be honest with you, a little transparent, I was, I was really struggling with this last week because there were so many places I wanted to go. Because I'll let you in a little preacher secret. We all have our little go-to things that we like to talk about. I love to talk about prayer. So I wanted to, week seven was going to be the prayer choice. That would have been a great thing to talk about, wouldn't it, right? Right? That's not what we're going to talk about. Well, we are, but not that's, there's going to be more. There's, uh, I, I love to talk about surrender, how you and I need to surrender our lives every day to the plan and purpose of Christ. And so I was going to call it the surrender choice, but that's not it either. Um, I was going to, I thought maybe it's faith. About how we have more faith. It's going to be the faith choice. And I thought, no, no, that's, that's not it. God, what is it? And I, I came across this passage of scripture that just, have you ever been, you know, those of you that, are, are, that read your Bibles, have you ever been reading something and it just, just punches you right in the mater patch? Yeah, well, that's kind of what this, how this was for me. So today is going to be the life choice. 
the life choice. And before we get started, I, I, I want to stop just a minute. And I want to reaffirm something. I've been so pleased to see that some of our legislators and some of our, uh, our leaders have been pushing in our state uh, for, the, for life. Yes? And, and listen, hey, those guys aren't perfect and they need help, but, but in this one issue, aren't you glad to see the tide turning a little bit? And, and, and so I just, now listen, I, I'm sure no celebrities watch me on YouTube. But just in case they are, let's, you know, I, I, I chuckle when I see entertainers getting, well, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. And I want to go, listen, what your job is is to make me laugh. Everything else is just immaterial. And, and so I, I'm just thankful. And, and I, I just want to tell you, now listen, I, I've, I've talked to, uh, Don and I have, have, have ministered to, to ladies who have made a difficult choice. And, and uh, listen, we throw around a lot of harsh words. Uh, I, I'm thankful that there's grace and forgiveness and mercy at the cross of Christ. But we affirm life at our church. We believe that all life is precious. And so I, I just wanted to stop long enough as we're talking about the life choice to say we believe in life. Amen? Amen. So here we are. Uh, we're going to be in, in, in the context of Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I know if, if you're, a, uh, if you're uh, somebody that reads the Bible, that might not be your go-to book. Because uh, it's, it's, it's a little difficult to read and understand. Uh, so I'm going to give you just a little bit of context, okay? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a little secret here. Uh, in order for today to make sense, I've got to give you a little history lesson. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to go, <laughs> this little history lesson, lesson is going to take us from 600 B.C. to today. You look enthralled. <laughs> you are so excited about this history lesson. It'll go fast. We, we, but here's what I need you to do. Once we start this little history lesson, I need you to pay attention because you're going to see a pattern. And I think the pattern is kind of cool. So... Deuteronomy chapter 3, let me give you a little context. The Israelites have left Egypt, and they've wandered in the desert for 40 years. And they are standing at, at the footsteps of the land that God had promised them. But God says, before you go in, there's a few things I need to tell you. And that's where we find our passage that we're going to look at today. But here's what I need you to do. All right. Israelites, right at the edge of, where, of, of the land God had promised them, we're going to leave them there for just a minute, okay? So just leave them there, and I'll come back to me. So here's what happens. After they go in, for 600 years, the Israelites follow God for a little bit, and then not, they don't follow God for a little bit. And when they're following God, things are going really well for them, and then when they stop following God, things go kind of bad. Does that sound like anybody you know? Like maybe you, Right? And so they do this for 600 years, back and forth, back and forth, roller coaster, walk with God, and we're there for a while, now we're not. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up at, in 0 B.C., I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and Jesus shows up and says, there's a better way. I'm going to give you life and life more abundant. And then after he uh, lives and dies and 
rises again and ascends back to heaven, today, this very day right now, we celebrate the day of Pentecost. The church was, this is the church's birthday. Say happy birthday. The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, read it. The, the Spirit of the Lord fell on, on, on the church there and 3,000 people gave their heart to the Lord. It was an amazing, amazing day. The Spirit of the Lord fell and gifts and uh, wonderful things happened. And, and the church was birthed. And you, think, you would think if you were watching this story, well, everything's going to be fine now. No, it wasn't. For 500 years, things were going okay. And then men got involved in the process. And how many know sometimes we, we want power and we want money and we want authority? And that's what happened in the church. And even in the midst of it, in, intense persecution, the, the church was growing and doing well until men got involved. And somewhere around 500 A.D., it's what you and you studied in high school, the Dark Ages. Because we don't have a lot of history. Here's what we do know. The church began to struggle around 500 A.D. Because there was this group that wanted power. And they wanted authority. And there was this group that said, we just want to follow Jesus. And how many know that those two groups just began to butt heads pretty badly? Uh, and then uh, this happens for uh, uh, several centuries and then something happened in around 1300 A.D. that we call the Renaissance. Anybody ever went to a Renaissance festival fair? Okay. <clears throat> I hear they're cool. I'm not going to go, but I hear they're cool. Renaissance really means rebirth. And what was happening during the Renaissance is all of this culture and art uh, and, and just beautiful things were happening, but something that wasn't so beautiful was happening. Every Mankind began to discover themselves and, and turn their thoughts inward. In fact, at this point in history, even science was convinced that the earth was the center of the universe. That everything revolved around me. That's where a, the, a, a new philosophy jumped onto the scene. It's called humanism. In other words, okay, maybe, maybe God, maybe, but it's really all about me, that happened in the Renaissance. But after the Renaissance, something cool happened. There was a guy named Martin Luther. This was about uh, 1517. There was a guy named Martin Luther that said, the church is messing up. There's some stuff going on we don't like, and it's not right. Because they had gotten really kind of money hungry. And so they started selling in the church something called indulgences. You know what those were? The church said, listen, if you pay us enough, we'll make sure your sins are forgiven. How do you think all of those big cathedrals got built? Think about it. In Europe, how do you think all those places got built? How do you think the Vatican got built? Because people were paying for their sins to be forgiven. And so Martin Luther said, that's not right. Salvation is free. It's a gift of God by faith through the grace of Christ. And so all of a sudden, you, we know it as the Protestant Reformation. People began to fall in love with Jesus all across the Western world. And it was a cool, cool time. But how many know that just didn't last very long? Because sometime around 1715, the, we call it, or you studied in, in your 
10th grade world history class, the Age of Enlightenment. And that's when, once again, we, we find the, our, our expression in, in, in the arts and in the sciences. And we don't really need God that much. The, the, something that happened, there was this philosophy uh, of reason that took over. In other words, I, the human mind can explain everything that it sees. And, and the, the religious move was called deism. And it's basically, it's, it's the clockmaker religion, where God is a clockmaker. He created all this stuff, set it on a shelf, and stepped back. And he's not involved in the life. In fact, a lot of our founding fathers were deists. They believed that we just, that, that God exists, but he's not really involved in the life that you and I live. And then, oh my goodness, and sometime around 1740, there was, a, there was a pastor, his name was Jonathan Edwards, and he preached in Massachusetts a, a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And without the internet, and without YouTube, and without Facebook and Instagram, this sermon explodes across the, the colonies that are there. And, and all of a sudden, all these people in, in, the, in the United States colonies finding Jesus and following Jesus. And a lot of the denominations that we see today were birthed during that great awakening. But maybe it didn't last so long. Are you starting to see a pattern? Sometime around the late 1700s, the middle 1800s, something called the Industrial Revolution, which was, uh, you know, we, we love that because that's where factories began. And that's where uh, some of the innovations that are still in effect today you know, began. Do you know that many sociologists believe that that's the point that the American family began to disintegrate? Because now mom, dad, children are working 18, 20 hours a day, never seeing each other. It was an awful time for the lower class. You know, the people in the upper class were making a ton of money, but people in the lower classes and even the middle classes were just working all the time. And and it really wasn't a great time for them. And then, 1906, African-American preacher from Texas preaches a sermon in Los Angeles, California on Azusa Street. And what is birthed there would be the beginning of the modern Pentecostal charismatic movement. Which, oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, is the fastest growing sect of Christianity on the planet today. That happened in 1906, after the Industrial Revolution that disintegrated the family. Are you starting to see a pattern? 1929, somebody tell me what happened. Great Depression. Great Depression. After this great revival came a, a Great Depression. And for years and years and years, all of a sudden, people are struggling. And they're filled with fear, poor, transient. <laughs> In 1949, a young pastor named Billy Graham starts preaching in tents and arenas and would preach and see millions of people in his lifetime find Christ. So now we're all good, right? No, maybe not. My generation showed up. We are known as baby boomers. Well, I'm, I'm kind of between, but... 
Technically, I'm Generation X, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of between. 1964 to 1966, baby boomers, Generation X. My generation, we were the me generation. We decided that what's most important, just like in the Renaissance, in the Age of Enlightenment, what's most important is what I want. Technological booms and innovations. You're holding in your hand an example. What, what if we took an iPhone? I don't have mine with me. What if we took it back 100 years? It would blow people away, wouldn't it? And now here we are. In 2019, we are the most wealthy, technologically advanced global generation ever. We are also the most humanistic, morally bankrupt, selfish, spiritually apathetic generation that's ever been on this planet. So I'm going to tell you that you and I have a choice to make. See, the, the beautiful thing about Scripture, okay, let's go back to the Israelites. Are, are we there? They're standing at the precipice of their revival. Because I'm going to tell you what I believe. If history repeats itself. See, there's a, I read a lot of statistics and a lot of church growth stuff. And I, a lot of the statistics are scary. Because if you read them and you believe them, then my brand new granddaughter is going to have a hard time finding a place to go to church. But I read Joel chapter 2 that says in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I believe that that's our promised land. I believe that's where we're at, y'all. And just like God had some instructions for the children of Israel, I believe that those same instructions we need to prophetically receive today. And you and I need to make a choice for life. See, I, I genuinely believe. Maybe it doesn't happen in my lifetime. I don't know. Maybe it's my children's lifetime. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I believe that before the trumpet sounds, God's going to do a great work across this planet. I believe he's going to draw men and women to himself. And I, I need you to hear this. I, I'm not so sure that it happens just in, in folks who, who've never heard the gospel. You know where I really think it's going to happen? In the church. The book of Revelation, Jesus talks to seven different churches. One of them was a church at a place called Laodicea. And here's what he told them. I'd rather you be hot or cold because when you're lukewarm, when you're stuck in the middle, it makes me want to puke. So here's what I believe. And I, I, I believed this for a very, very long time, but never more than I do today. That before Jesus returns, I believe there's going to be a massive revival inside the church. And people are either going to move See, I, I believe that this revival is going to take place within the lukewarm. And, and 
if, if that's you this morning, I'm not judgmental. I'm just going to tell you what I believe is going to happen. That folks are either going to get hot or folks are going to get cold. That way when the trumpet sounds, there'll be no question as to who left the earth. The world will know that the church is gone. Our banner will be clear. So could it be that we are poised just like those children of Israel, standing at the entrance of our promised land? Could we be poised to enter a season of revival? Some people think that this revival is the megachurch revival. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think that's what it is. Listen, I'm not, I don't beat up megachurches. I hope we is one one day. But, you, you know, most people, mo most Christians across the globe don't go to megachurches. You know what kind of church they go to? Just like this one. Most people are discipled in groups of under 100 people. So I, I don't, I, I'm excited about the megachurch movement. I don't think that's the revival. I think, I think we're, we're yet to see it. Because you know what I believe? I believe there's churches like ours in Loganville that for two and a half years have been asking God for revival. And I think there's churches in Sydney, Australia asking God for revival. And Wilmington, North Carolina asking God for revival. And Memphis, Tennessee asking God for revival. And Los Angeles, California asking God for revival. And God's going to answer those prayers. So what's he telling us? Can I tell you why I believe this so, so fiercely? See, if you listen, if you listen to all the statistics, they, they paint a, a, a bad picture about the state of the church. And I want you to hear me. I don't believe Christ is going to return for a wheezing, sick, anemic, apathetic church. I believe God is, is going to do something in us, in us. But here's what he's telling us. Deuteronomy chapter 30, five verses. So here's what I want you to do. See, I, I believe that scripture is written in layers. See, he, he wrote these words to the children of Israel. But because you and I have been adopted by way of the cross into the family of Israel, I believe these words are prophetically ours this morning. And, and, and you've got a choice to make, y'all. Listen. I can't choose for you. I, I, I want you, part of this all-in process either continues or stops with what we talk about today. I'm, I'm convinced that God is calling us to say yes to life. And here's what the passage says. First of all, it'll be on the screen behind me. Deuteronomy 15, excuse me, 30, verse 15. Now listen. In other words, pay attention. You need to hear this. He said today, not tomorrow, not 30 years ago. I told you about this Facebook group that I'm a part of. Now listen, I, for those of you that don't know, we're affiliated with the Church of God. And one of, our, one, of our, uh, one of the Facebook groups I'm in, and I'm about to get rid of it because it's, it's, it's folks that are just really down on the state of our church. And it's depressing. And it's mean. And, and everybody's talking about what, what, 
what God did in 1950. And listen, I'm thankful for what God did in 1950, but I'm a lot more interested in what he wants to do today. Today, today, God, what do you want to do today? I'm thankful for what you did, but what are you going to do today? He said, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between life and death. You say, Dwayne, that would be an easy choice. Would it? Would it be an easy choice? Think about it this way. You come out from open heart surgery. And your doctor walks over to your bedside and said, now listen, if you want to live, you've got to make some changes. You've got to quit eating chicken wings three times a day. You, you need to get off your rear end and, and actually move a little bit. I read a statistic the other day that a vast majority of people that are in that exact same situation make zero changes in their lifestyle. Now, before you judge them, God is saying, spiritually speaking, I'm giving you a choice between life and death. What are you going to do? I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Prosperity and disaster. Does it... Does it sound like it's even a choice? For I command you this day. What's he, what's he telling us to do? Pay attention to this. First of all, to love the Lord your God. Listen, if you're here today and you follow all the rules and, and, and you keep your nose clean morally and you got all your stuff squared away, but you're not in love with Jesus, can I tell you before you leave this building, I want you to know him. And I want you to love this Savior who suffered, bled, and died and is quite alive today. I want you to love him. Nothing else matters. Your job doesn't matter if you don't love Jesus. Your career, your, listen, it's going to tick you off. Your family doesn't matter if you don't love Jesus. I want you to love Jesus. That's what he said. If you'll, first of all, First of all, love the Lord your God. Keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. Here's how we say that at LifePoint. Love God, listen to him, and do what he says. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Oh, here's the most heartbreaking two-letter word that's ever been spoken. If. If you do this. God said, if you do this, how many know God's not going to force you to love him and to follow him? God's not going to force you to, lean, to, to, to walk in his ways. God's not going to force you if you do this, if you, may, if you make the choice to follow him. And I can already hear what's going on in your head. Oh, I did that 30 years ago. Stop. That's not what he said. He said, today. Today, if you do this. If you do this, you'll live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. So if, if I'm right, and we're reading this from a, a prophetic layer, in other words, he's telling us, he's telling the church of 2019 these words as we are standing on the precipice of this end-time revival that we believe is happening, then he's saying, if you do this, you'll prosper in this You'll be a part of it. Listen to me, y'all. I've had a hunger in my heart from the day I gave my heart to the Lord to see men and women and children and teenagers and old people and young people and mean people and nice people and fat people and skinny people and addicted people and straight up people find 
faith and hope and mercy and grace at the cross of Christ. I want to see it happen. Listen, and I have it in here and here and here. I want to see it happen in a wave across our country, across our city. I want this place to be a city on a hill, not just because so, we have cool lights and all that other stuff, but I want the anointing of God to flow in this place in such a way that people walk into this building and find Jesus in waves. Do you want that? You got to choose it. Because verse 17 gets sobering, doesn't it? If your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, Dwayne, I'd never worship something besides God. Really? Really? See, we, we talked about this worship process a few weeks ago. and How I many know worship is, is not just what we do here? Worship is something that owns my allegiance. There's been a time in my life when I worshiped a sports team. Now, y'all know me. I'm going to be watching some Georgia Bulldogs football here in a few months. I love to watch. But listen, that's not my life. There's a time when I worship my job. Not this one. Another one. There was a time when I thought, man, if I just get one more step on that ladder, man, I'm going to challenge you today. Choose to worship the Lord. He says, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, listen to this. This is so powerful. I warn you now that you'll certainly be destroyed. You know how I read that? Listen, if you don't want to be a part of this what I want to do on the earth, if you don't want to be a part of what I'm going to do in this community, if you don't want to be a part of what I'm going to do in this nation, if you don't want to be a part of what I'm going to do at this church, you don't have to be. But you'll regret it. You'll miss out on what I want to do. And I don't want you to miss it. I warn you that you'll certainly be destroyed. You'll not live a long, good life in the land that you're crossing the Jordan into and to occupy. And then verse 19. Oh, today... Man, please hear that word. Please, please hear that word today. Today, don't, don't live in your past. Don't, don't think, well, I got I to gotta square some things up. And then I'll, no. We, we talked about it Wednesday night. If, the Holy Spirit, if he's dealing with your heart, it's not about tomorrow. It's about today. And I, I'm, I'm so... I'm so concerned that we are living in a situation in a generation that is, we're so religious and everybody thinks they're okay because we drop $20 in the offering bag and we show up at church four times a year. And I'm going to tell you there's more to this than that. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now here's what God says. This, is, this, is, this blows me away. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. You know what that tells me? <laughs> this is not a choice you're going to make in private. 
It's not, you're not going to live this life in obscurity. You're not going to live this life and your family not know about it. And those that you hang out with know about it. And those people you work with, they're, they're going to know about it. If you really choose this kind of life, if you really choose to fall in love with Jesus and to listen to him and do what he says, if you really do that, then people are going to notice which is a good thing, by the way. <laughs> he, he said, oh, I almost hear the voice of God begging, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants. Hey, look at me. This ain't about you. It's about your children and your grandchildren. This ain't about you. It's about those that are going to come after you. Some of you say, well, I don't have kids. Yes, you do. There's somebody watching you. There's people that, that God's calling you to disciple. Those are your descendants. And it's, I'm telling you to make this choice, not just for you. No, it's, it's a good thing for you. Somebody said this. Somebody said that Christianity was one generation away from being wiped away from the the surface of the earth. And I guess if you think about it just logically, then I guess that's possible. Because the way God instituted this deal, <laughs> if you don't tell somebody, and I don't tell somebody, it goes away. But can I, there's still a, the Spirit of God hovering across this globe. And He's still drawing men and women to Him. All right, well, let's, let's get through this, the rest of this. The rest of this passage. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing him yourself firmly to him. Listen, this is not a casual relationship that God is calling us to. Are y'all okay with this? Listen, he, he goes on to say, this is the key to your life. I have people all the time. Dwayne, why isn't God helping me in my finances? Why isn't God helping me in my marriage? Why isn't God helping me with my kids? Why isn't God helping me on my job? And I'm going to tell you that the key to all of those things, and listen, we'll talk about marriage and finances from, from this pulpit. We will. We'll talk about how to, we'll talk about all those practical things from this pulpit. But can I just tell you, at the end of the day, the answer is not some great advice I'm going to give you. The answer is not just some principle that you're going to find the answer to your life the key to your life is you to love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and your mind to turn off of facebook put your nose in this book talk to jesus every day and then your life will go right i don't know how else to say it but we want to follow god like oh y'all are going to be mad at me because it's time to go this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you'll live long in the land. God swore you to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the choice. It's your life. And I want you to choose to follow God every day. See, there's been a couple of great lies that the enemy has told our church. Not, okay, big church, big C church. He's told the, 
and, and this is going to sound judgmental, and I don't mean it that way, but I, I, I just, I, this is just a passion of my heart. He's, he's told this generation that we can be just as spiritual outside the church as we can inside it. And I'm going to tell you, it, maybe it's true, I've just never seen anybody do it. I've never seen anybody successfully follow Christ detached from his body. There was a, a preacher back in the early 1900s that was traveling around visiting people that were coming to his revival service. And the, and the guy that he was visiting said, Preacher, I, I know why you're here and you want me to come to church. And he said, I love God and I'm following God and I can, I can do that right here from my living room. Without saying a word, the preacher took some, the fireplace tongs and he took an ember out of the fireplace and he just laid it on the stone hearth as they were talking. And the man kept looking at the, at the ember. And guess what it did after just a little while? It died. And the man said, okay, pastor, I see your point. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. The other lie is that what God did for you was in the past. And I'm going to tell you that the, man, I don't know who needs to hear this. I'm going to tell you that, that what God has for you is in front of you. What God has for you is not in your past. Even though God may have done big things in your past, what God has for you is not in your past. It's in your future. It's today. So I'm just wondering if there's anybody that will join me in saying, today I choose life. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus more today than I've ever loved him. I'm going to do my best to listen to him and do what he says, and I will fail miserably. But when I do, guess what? His mercies are brand new every morning. And tomorrow is today, and I'll follow him, and I'll fall in love with him. And I just wonder if there's anybody that will say, Dwayne, I'm with you. I will follow Jesus. I will choose life. Is there anybody? Stand to your feet. I want, you, I want you to hear these words. And I want them to be a mantra for you and your house. Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I choose life. I choose blessing. I choose... Your way. God, I, I did it my way a long time. And I'm to, I, I thank you for the moment when you confronted me. I said, Dwayne, do it my way. And I did. And I said, God, I'll, I'll follow you. And in those many years, God, I failed you miserably. But I'm so thankful today for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here, listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. That's not how I do things, and y'all know that by now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you're here, and this was for you, and you know it. Don't you dare tuck it aside, but it was for you. And maybe everybody that you know thinks everything's just hunky-dory in your world, but you know today that you need to fall more in love with Jesus, to be committed to his plan and purpose for your life more than you've ever been in your life. And you know it, and, and, and you're trying to push it away even now, but the Holy Spirit just won't let you go. Why don't you choose life today? Why don't you choose life? Why don't you choose God's plan over your own? 
Why don't you follow him? Why don't you make a choice today to follow him like you never have? Well, Dwayne, you don't know what I used to do for God. I don't, listen, don't, don't be mad at me for saying this. I don't care what you used to do. That's awesome. I'm glad. Today, today God's got something for you and it's all in front of you and you got a choice to make. What are you going to choose? Hey, if that's you, nobody in this building is looking around. If that's you, Dwayne, I'm choosing life today. I want you to put your hand in the air so I know who to pray for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Me too. Me too, y'all. Me too. Me too. I, I, I don't want my life to ever be the same. Me too. God, I choose you. I choose your way. As for me and my house, I can't do anything about anybody else. But as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I want you to invade somebody's life this morning. I want you to wrap your arms of love and compassion around them. I want you to draw them close to you. As we choose life, as we choose your way, as we choose to live for you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you ought to give Jesus a praise for what he's doing in your life right now. You ought to praise him, and you ought to lift their voice to him. In Jesus' name, Lord, we worship you in this place. We build our life on you, the only sure foundation. In Jesus' name. Come on, I wish you'd have rubbed in praise. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. You can be seated. And now we're going to worship the Lord with our giving. So I encourage you. I mean, that's one way to go all in is trust God with your finances. So just be obedient today. Give what he would have you give. Be faithful in your tithing. And God will bless you. Okay, guys.